2: The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
6: From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw.
7: And I'm Jennifer Lando.
6: And welcome to our show, which we break news from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which is also in our galaxy and often here in Burbank, Uh, at least at least today's news, kind of, (laughs) and Manhattan Beach. We got some news to get to. We got some awards to hand out. We got a great look into Star Wars past uh, with uh, an upcoming anniversary from this week in Star Wars history. But before we get to all that fun stuff, uh, we're going to remind you, we're going to get the business out of the way here. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our 4Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And it is one of those homework assignment books. Uh, one of those books we'll be reviewing soon, diving in. Uh, but that is uh, kind of, well... We have an update, Joseph, right?
5: Yes. Our next offer is now nothing. I joke.
8: I
6: joke. Uh,
5: We want to have an update on the offer we've been making uh, for a while on the podcast. Uh, Inside Editions is a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books as well as other pop culture books. We love Inside Editions. We've loved having this deal with them. But right now, they're in the process of changing up their affiliate program. So the link that we've been sharing for quite a while now, insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35 is no longer working. Uh, Like we said, we still love the company and we recommend their books. We'll probably talk about them and we'll let you know as soon as a new affiliate program is up and running. So that is the information
6: on that. Yeah. Thanks for a couple of Force Center friends out there kind of pointing out that they were trying to use the link to get the discount and all that stuff. And because of that, we were able to dig in a little bit more. Joseph got the information that's uh, valuable to us and all of you. And we'll update you like Joseph said. All right. Uh, Life Star Wars Adventures. Uh, I, You know, uh, Jen, uh, get in here. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have a boring one. How was your weekend?
7: Mine was kind of boring, too. I was like, what did I do this weekend? Uh, I had two sick children, so not oh, too huh. much happening in the world of Star Wars. I'm trying to think. I mean, well, I started really studying uh, the Grand Inquisitor's head, the various shapes of the Powin's heads, looking at Tion Dawn, looking at how they created that, and the Revenge of the Sith You know, behind-the-scenes featurettes. And it's just yeah, really... Ooh it's really fascinating. And it just made me realize like, I just want to be on the sets now. I, I really would love mm. somebody to make a real kind of not gorilla style, but really be in the trenches with things as they're happening, as they're making these decisions to, <laughs> to, you know, for Rupert friends, prosthetic head or makeup <laughs> or whatever they're doing. I want to know the process behind that. Um, so
8: y-
5: yeah. you figured out what is in Tion Madun's head, like what it's made of, how it got so high.
7: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, actor Bruce Spence, the, the man who played Tian Madan, he naturally has like a long and thin face, mm-hmm. but then they used like a latex mask to cover his entire face. It's really incredible. And they just kind of built it up. Um, and it was based on a, on a sculpture that George had made. And, and George came into the workroom when they mm-hmm. were kind of designing the mask. And he very clearly he's like, no, I want it to have ridges up and down his face he's like drawing on the, he's like may i and the sculptor says sure sure here you go so there's sure, george. george drawing lines up and down this uh this mask it's just incredible
8: mm, wow
5: that is so great yeah I take that so up. cool i love yeah. that so That was my,
7: that was my uh excitement <laughs> so was, for the weekend that's a good
6: that. excitement yeah that's some fun when you can research star wars as uh as a life uh, task that's that's pretty it's pretty good
7: exactly that's true that's true
6: Uh, Joseph, sir Please, please save us from the boredom Oh, uh
5: (laughs) I don't know if I can quite Handle that, uh that task uh had a good uh busy week of uh lots of fun creative work and that's always fun to uh, mix that with star wars talking about star wars so much uh does help me in my own kind of creative journeys both behind the scenes and thinking about the kind of stuff that i want to create all that kind of great stuff but then my star wars adventures were kind of accidental i talked about this a little bit on our clone Mm -hmm. wars report Uh, my wife has dance rehearsals on tuesday nights that started in the last month or so so now tuesday night is my movie night i can watch whatever i want (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, because there's some stuff that uh that uh Sarah's not a big horror fan, that kind of thing, or uh, sometimes a movie I'm not sure that she'd be into that I want to check out first. So I watched uh thx eleven thirty eight just some bits and pieces of I read all about, and I had that like, yeah, no, I get it, I get it. <laughs> uh, which was pompous of me because then I watched it, and of course, there's a the difference between knowing and experiencing. It was so great to see this this early Lucas film that was at, at one point part like so familiar when it comes to Star Wars. All these, you know, great Star Wars themes about authoritarianism and the organic versus the rigid, and the mm-hmm. ultimate path to freedom is, of course, a, a fast car. Uh, so there's these things that like that's so Star Wars, that's so George Lucas, but the tone of it is more like David Lynch, you know, seventies, mm-hmm. uh, you know dark uh mm-hmm. sci-fi you know dystopia so it was fun to see something that was so familiar and yet so different and then uh my wife and i have also just started uh re-watching the indiana jones movies so mm-hmm. the week before last we watched readers of the lost ark on sunday and then we didn't discuss it and we're just like should we watch temple of doom this sunday so we did as a recording watch mm-hmm. temple of doom uh last night and that was fun to just be reminded so much to talk about of temple of doom. I know there are things yeah. that uh, people don't like for many different reasons. <laughs> nice. I will asterisk that note that I know that. Okay. Uh, but for me, um, it, it, that's such a reminder of just like that adventure serial, Yeah, you know, how important that is to star Wars and temple of doom, whatever else you think of it, it really is like one problem to the next, to the next, to the next. It's just go, go, go. So it was weird. Cause I was like getting ready for this and like, did I have any Star Wars adventures? Like, will you watch these two movies
8: <laughs>
6: mm.
5: Yeah, that are not Star Wars but are deeply, deeply related to Star Wars?
6: So that was yeah. kind of a fun Star Wars adventure. And yeah, you get yeah, roll around Club Obi-Wan. Uh, I still love that sequence too. Oh,
5: yeah. No, that's great. That's great. So, yeah. Ken, uh, I, I, I my yeah. yep. exciting adventure was I watched two movies, so I bet
6: yours is just <laughs> as exciting as that. Uh, no, no, I watched uh, some documentaries uh, uh, this weekend, had a chance to do that. Uh, Grace is uh, out, of, out of town and uh, I had, uh, you know, it's much like you, you know, again, just like, all right, cool. I can, I can invest in some things that normally maybe I, I wouldn't because she's not interested in and that kind of stuff. And, and we, we, we share the TV remote pretty well, uh, to be <laughs> clear, but uh, did that. But on Sunday, I, I have a, my tax appointments coming up. So Sunday, I, I did the pre-tax research, pulled the notes, going to QuickBooks, all those adult things. And I felt I was in the part of Phantom Menace no one wants to be in, which is the <laughs> taxation and trade routes.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
6: I just felt so lost in that. And it was an all day, you know, it was a uh, couple hours. Oh, I'll get this one. I'll have a little snack and I'll knock this out in the afternoon. Nine o'clock. I was still like, oh, can I write off those comic books as well? <laughs> Uh, research, so research. It is indeed. So, uh, yeah, I just I felt like I was in that corner of Star Wars. No one thinks is fun, but is necessary.
5: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's it's kind of important to our lives, and if not thrilling, uh, definitely stressful. Like Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi sensed something's yeah. not right.
6: <laughs> something's not right and, and it really did rob me of some direct star wars time because i was going to get ahead of some of our clone wars report uh watching uh which we got the great arc with uh, the big great arc with with mall savage press and palpatine and kenobi mm. and Satine, the, the season five stuff and uh, i couldn't get to it because i was still writing off expenses which will hopefully include <laughs> disney plus in which i'm trying to watch the clone wars on so there you go it all comes together it all does. Well, uh, we've got some news to get to and and uh, two big stories that we're going to cover here today. This one kind of popped up it's, uh, during the weekend. It's always so weird now even to track where the news comes from sometimes like, is it a tweet? Is it a rumor scoop or Hollywood Reporter You know, and then sometimes it's three days old by the time I pay attention to it. Uh, this is one of those stories, uh, but I'm excited to report Christopher Lloyd is making his way into the star Wars galaxy. The Hollywood reporter revealed that the veteran actor will be in the upcoming third season of the Mandalorian in a guest starring role. Of course, no deta- details on the role have been revealed, but let's dream it up. Let's speculate, <laughs> just speculate on what this could be. Uh, What do we want Christopher Lloyd to be doing in the Mandoverse? And just maybe some general thoughts on Christopher Lloyd. Jennifer, we'll start with you.
7: You know, I would love to see him in a partnership with Pelly. Uh, (laughs) Those two (laughs) screwball comedians coming together. That would be obviously very, very fun. But what I also think might be fun and what I could see actually happening is him being a character that's very likable, who we think is an ally of Mando, but then mm. he double crosses him. Um, Ooh,
8: yeah, yeah, I think that
7: that would be really interesting. Uh, and they said mm. guest starring, so yeah. we are assuming that he's going to be in multiple episodes, or at least he has a big enough role. He's not—he's not just a co-star yeah. where you come in in one line and then right. <laughs> you're out. Um, yeah. And he's—I looked on IMDb and he's listed in the, the first episode, so right out mm. out of the gate, we're going to get his character. But it's—it's ex- it's exciting. It's really exciting that he's he's coming into the Mando verse.
6: I do love that. That's some great yeah, yeah. Guest star and co-star and all those uh sag titles that you gotta pay attention <laughs> to. Or it could just be a general term here. Joseph, thoughts on Christopher Lloyd himself and maybe what he might be doing in the Mando Mando show.
5: Yeah, I love that he's here. He just has such uh, gravitas and such, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, history. And I love that if you're trying to kind of cast him to his roles, he's got an interesting mix of roles, right? He's like, Mm -hmm. kind of most famous for the, you know, lovable, but weird, you know, befuddled scientist, Mm -hmm. you know, from Back Mm -hmm. to the Future, uh, arguably most known. It's, you know, but... So, so you can kind of go with that of like, is he going to play, you know, some great Star Wars scientist? Like the Clone Wars animated series has a bunch of (laughs) dangerous Mm. scientists who invent bad things and have uh, weird accents, right? So So you could, I'd love to see that on, on screen, you know, like a scientist who's developed like a dangerous machine to burrow to the core of Mandalore or something like Mm. that. Um. He's also got such a history of comedy, as, as Jennifer said, but also like he's played some good villains. Um, mm-hmm. He is legitimately scary. People kind of, I think, poke fun of it, but in Star Trek Three is is the mm-hmm. Klingon villain. He's legitimately scary. It's yeah, Judge Doom and Roger Rabbit. He's the main villain, right? Right. Um. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested to see him in some sort of villainous role as well, like some uh, not physically doing the action himself, maybe because he's eighty three, but some like warlord you know living in yeah. some ruins <laughs> you know who betrays Dinjar and that kind of thing um last wild thing it's, i don't think it's going to be this but i kind of almost any older charismatic actor i want them to play uh, an imperial dignitary or a sith
8: <laughs> <laughs>
6: an ancient sith <laughs> fanboy that's what i want him to be See, if this had been a casting for Andor, I'd be right there with you. This is a dignitary. This is absolutely imperial dignitary. (laughs) Yeah.
5: So I think they've been doing such an interesting job of kind of matching up actors to some amount of expectation when it's an actor that we know. So I'm so curious which direction, because there's so many directions you could go with that with Christopher Lloyd. Which will
6: it be? Yeah. Yeah. No, you. Oh, man, you both point out such great things. And and I myself uh, consider myself a big Christopher Lloyd fan especially in the sense of yes, obviously back to the future. Like you said, Joseph, uh, what he's most known and for, for, our our generations, kind of where maybe a lot of us first learned about him. Uh, he was my, like my first favorite actor that I would tell mm. people. Mm. He was also one of the first actors, which I learned. There's a thing called actors <laughs> where, <laughs> where, I remember seeing taxi reruns. And I think my mom or dad was like, Oh, that's uh, that's Doc Brown from back to the future. And I was like, no, he's an old man. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> And it confused me, and uh, but also just uh, intrigued me. And then, yeah, a lot of his work, uh, Roger Rabbit, great example. Yeah, then I I, I saw that Star Trek three in the theaters, and was was terrified. Uh, young, young, I was also I was also part of the generation that uh, Temple of Doom. My mom probably wrote the letters that helped get it. It made <laughs> PG thirteen from then on. Um, was uh, not she was not happy about that one there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love Christopher Lloyd, but also so one of my favorite movies is Dream Team, which is a a, a comedy. It's definitely a late 80s comedy but from from like 88, 89. Michael Keaton, Stephen First, Peter Boyle and Christopher Lloyd as uh, patients from a uh, uh, mental hospital who get uh, lost and stranded in New York. And it's kind of uh, Lorraine Bracco's in it as well. Funny. Again, very, very late 80s, to be clear. But uh, he is so good in that uh, because there's some moments of of real sadness, of real um, pain Beneath the comedy So I would love to see him Tap into that side You're all You've given great examples Of many different things He's done I'd love a quiet moment With Din Not that Lloyd's Like a Like a Space wizard In that kind of Hero trope For for Din But someone who's got Information about him Someone who maybe Sets him on More specific part Of his mission Whatever it might be The big overriding goal In uh, season three Does that mean he's a Mando Does it mean he knows Mando history Or know where those uh, Those waters are That he's got to go Redeem himself in Something like that uh, there's a lot of ways to go. Comedy, menacing, villain. Uh, I want some uh, some of those quiet, sadder, uh, poignant moments, maybe. But uh, yeah, I, I think breaks. it'd be
5: great as that. Uh, one one of the other things that I love him in is uh, Cheers. He uh, features prominently in breaking mm. Sam and Diane up for the first oh, time as a yeah. tortured artist. Us, uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> and he would be uh, he would be great there. Uh I also am wondering how soon articles will come out claiming that he's playing Joris Saboth or however you pronounce that name from Heir to the Empire.
8: <laughs> oh, we yes.
6: <laughs> it, it, it also, oh, man. it's funny you say that because I started laughing thinking well remember we all not we uh, but there was that conversation about Max von Sydow being Boba Fett old Boba right. Fett and Force Awakens <laughs> oh, which was wrong on many levels uh, oh. many many levels uh, but I, I laughed about that that would be so funny yes he's Talon card aged
8: <laughs> uh, oh, uh,
7: i I can't even believe I forgot Clue Professor yes. Plum.
8: Oh, Professor Plum. Oh yeah. And
7: he was really unlikable in that role. Intention you know, he's great, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. his character is not likable. So yeah, yeah God, what a what a, a wide variety of roles he's played over the years. My gosh.
6: Which yeah. Which reminds me that we now also need now Michael McKean in Star Wars too. Oh,
7: <laughs> oh yes. he's one of my faves.
5: Oh, I I that oh. could be happening as we speak and it just God. hasn't broken yet
6: make it so uh, so, uh that they're uh, shooting right now that the show's still shooting uh, out there in manhattan beach you know who knows he, yeah very well he could be a, he could be a droid he could be a uh, voice uh, some kind of uh, animal I, I saw one tweet of like what if he's voicing grogu oh
8: my gosh <laughs> that made me, made
6: me laugh <laughs> great, great, Scott. Then uh, the Mandalorian. Uh, you both, You both have touched on here. The Mandalor- Mandalorian has established this kind of year-to-year tradition, and we can throw a book of Boba Fit in that as well of uh, fun, almost nostalgic castings, and maybe even more importantly, out-of-the-box choices for a lot of these performers. And Joseph, you're right. A lot of them to expectation. Michael Bean coming in, and he's he was a Michael Bean character. Mm-hmm. Uh, amy sedaris is uh, doing kind of a, a wild almost sketch comedy like character that i think has grown on me and grown on a lot of people who just worked way into the, the ver- universe pretty well uh, uh, uh david Pasquesi comes in and is, and is very much doing a comedy role in boca boba fett uh what do you what do you both think about that here jennifer this idea of uh, are we enjoying these castings is it kind of fun to think michael mckean could he be in it? like who who else could be in star wars we haven't thought about
7: The casting on these shows are genius because they're pairing great character actors with great roles, right? I mean, you have Mm -hmm. Natalia Tenna from a lot Mm -hmm. of things, Game Game of Thrones, uh, Harry Potter, uh, Mm -hmm. who's playing the the crazy twee, as they called her, right? Or Clancy Mm -hmm. Brown as as Berg or obviously Amy Sedaris, Carl Weathers, um, Nick Nolte. I mean, the list goes on and on. and. Mm -hmm. I think what these actors do so well is like we can go, oh, I know that person, but they don't detract from the story like an A-lister yeah. celebrity would, mm. you know? And they're able to make the most of their scenes. Uh, so they make their, their scenes memorable, but they also fit the tone of the show. Yeah. And I also think that it's very intentional that they're, they're picking a lot of comedic actors mm-hmm. because it just – it brings a little bit of, of life to the show. But as we all know, comedians can be, you know, comedic actors can be very good at at being serious and playing dark roles and getting to the depth when they need Mm. to. So, cause comedy is much harder to do than than drama in my opinion. Um,
8: (laughs) So I
7: just, it's just genius, the whole Mm. thing. And it just makes it so fun to watch in my opinion. I mean, I I could, I want to do like an actor studio on this because every choice is so good.
6: Yeah. No, you're, you're bringing in some names. I I kind of even forgot or overlooked just because now they're just part of their, uh, Uh, And Clancy Brown, of course, uh, doing so so well, and I just I just loved him in the new Dexter. He's got a long career, and you just yeah, he's obviously Mm. the voice of in in Savage Oppress doing that. Yeah, he's got a place in Star Wars, but just you know, it was it was beyond just fun. It was like it worked, it worked in in a different way. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, Joseph, uh, your thoughts on uh, these castings here? Yeah, no, I think Jennifer makes a lot of
5: great points of like they uh, they all have this great splashy uh, sort of press like we're talking about Christopher Lloyd because he's Christopher Lloyd and we can think of a million roles. So Mm -hmm. they have that sort of um, stunt casting in terms of press. But then in terms of the actual show, they just bring all of this skill in gravitas, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it has to just be older actors, but that's what a lot of it has been is older actors, right? And they have chops in comedy, action, uh, drama, uh, and can just really, really bring this like depth uh, that goes along with the silliness, right? You know, that, that we've talked so much about, like, yeah, he's an Ugnaught. He's the little pig man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but great performance by Misty Roses in the body. And then Nick mm. Nolte bringing that weight, you know, so you're getting the theme of the first season from the pig man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I think also they've done such a great job of either leaning into the cultural knowledge of the actor or maybe even pushing against it a little bit. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. Like Werner Herzog, right? The line, yes. can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative? Like, that line would have been funny from anyone. But that's the kind of thing that, like, you ask Werner Herzog, you know, what the meaning of his film is. And he says something kind of oddly structured but beautiful and weird like that. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're kind of leaning into it, but it's also weird because he wouldn't normally be there. Uh, Michael Bean, that, that, you know, you knew exactly who that character is because we've lived with him as a seasoned, brutal fighter for decades. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. Bill Burr. Bill Burr's got yes. that. Like, what's Bill mm-hmm. Burr doing in Star Wars? Where ultimately what he does, particularly in the second season, is that character mm-hmm. is like Bill Burr's actual comedy, somewhere between a realist and a cynic challenging yeah. other people's points of view and just poking and poking and poking going, why do you mm-hmm. think that? Why do you think that? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um
6: with a Boston like with, accent.
5: With a Boston accent. <laughs> exactly.
8: It works somehow. Uh,
5: and then I think, you know, Ken, you and I have talked mm-hmm. about this a lot. You really pointed out the, the power of Danny Trejo's real life. But, but <gasps> really taking the image of Danny Trejo is th- this cultural, like, he is the badass, right? You know, mm-hmm. he, he can, you know, break somebody's spine by snarling. He's a badass, right? Mm-hmm. So to have him in that scene that is about, that's not all that I am. That's yeah. not all the rancor is. That's not all you have to be. Boba Fett is both playing into our cultural relationship with him, but also, you know, giving us a different point of view that can kind of only come if you're starting from that point of view and, and surprise yeah. us by twisting yeah, yeah. what we expect of that character.
6: Oh uh, yeah. No, well said, well said all, all around. And yeah, I, I had kind of the same note that you did Joseph. uh, and Jen, this is something that's come up a lot in in, uh, in the last couple of years. Where just uh, often these castings, I put are actors of a certain age. <laughs> and, right. uh, as I rapidly approach some of those ages, it feels like <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Lloyd's eighty three. Uh, no, um, I just I, I like it. Uh, it, it. It isn't just about that. I'm sure you could find some um, younger actor that we hadn't thought about or something. But I just love that it's performers you wouldn't put on any dream list, right? Like going yeah. going into Mando season one, maybe now. Uh, we can even play around with that. Uh, we just apparently put Michael McKenna on the list too, as we should. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, um, it, it, I,
8: just,
6: I just love that. And, and, it, and it allows me to celebrate uh, these performers in a way I just I never, I never thought possible. I never, never in a million years would have said, oh, Jennifer Beals would be great in Star Wars. I should cast her. Never, right. I would have thought that. Right. I, I think about Garcia Whip's uh, uh, speech. Often. I, I really do. I'll, I'll see a meme will pop up because it's a very memeable character, right? Memorable, memeable character. And I just remember her delivery of that, that monologue. Everything about it to Santin is it's just something that got me on another level. And, and I only you only get that because uh Favor in the casting office and, and Floney, whoever made the decisions were like, you know, it would be fun. To see Jennifer Beals, who doesn't even really know Star Wars, let's put her in Star Wars and see what she can do in this galaxy. And I, that's what I just keep enjoying season to season, and even episode to episode at times.
7: You know, and one of the things that I think that helps that these actors are of a certain age is, and they're great character actors, they're going to come with a choice, right?
8: Mm-hmm.
7: You know that they're going to come with something and some it might be a little far off and I'm sure that the directors can work with them if if it, they need to tone it back or whatever, but they're never going to just come in and just try and f- they're just going to come in wild and risky. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really exciting to watch for us as fans. It's, it's what makes each character on this show so distinct. And a lot of times with younger actors, especially, um, they want they want to give a performance that they think people want from them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So they don't mm-hmm. go big. They don't make these wild specific choices because they're afraid to. Obviously, we have some exceptions with some fantastic young actors, but, you know, it tends to happen more as you've been working for as long as these actors have. They know Mm -hmm. their stuff. They know what they can lean into or really push. And uh, it's Mm -hmm. just so it's so fun to watch.
8: Yeah. And I think
5: also like so many of them probably obviously have had great experiences, but they've also had not great experiences. Mm-hmm. And given that all of the sort of information about what it's like to work on Mandalorian book of Boba Fett is a sense of play, right. Mm-hmm. That you're not coming in and in, in doing some like, you know, kind of scene where it's like, we're going to do 87 takes. And I need you to get this inflection exactly correct. That everything about it instead <laughs> is like, right.
6: come on in and
5: play. We've we we we've built this large playground called the volume and there's going to be some weird sons behind
6: you. And then we're going to play, you know? Yes. It's worked so well, hey, hey, Jen. You mentioned Car Weathers. It's like now we almost just take it for granted. He's he's a part of he's grief cargo now and forever, and he's part of the show and directing. What a big chance that they that they, that they took on him, even though he's probably like, yeah, why why aren't more people taking chances on me
8: right now? I got a lot to <laughs> so do here. Nice.
6: And then even that we, we were talking uh, in the art of Mandalorian book. Uh, Joseph and I did that Star Wars rank this weekend. There's a quote from Favreau, like I you know I knew he was a director. I, I you just we. Put put let him go do his thing on this particular episode and he killed it. And he's going to be directing it again. It just that's mm. one of the things I, I think I do love uh, this uh, the, these shows so far and we'll see if it continues with uh, Kenobi or or and or if it's just a, a team Favreau thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's it's been a lot of fun and Christopher Lloyd's on the list. Do you uh, do you do you do you both have any names that pop up kind of immediately? We didn't really prep for this, but any names that pop up where you're like, sure, why not? Let's do it. Oh, you know, to to put it yeah, in, in,
5: yeah. yeah. I mean, this is my answer for uh, a ton of things, but uh, uh, Peter Capaldi, uh, uh, mm. the, who played the 12th Doctor, um, he's right. he's got such a just weight and intensity. He plays lots of different characters. Uh, he was just in the yes. Suicide Squad movie, but I, I want to see him in pretty much everything because he's got that mix of uh, great comedy. And then he can just look at, at any character and you just feel the weight of like, this man has been alive and he's seen things. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. And that's, I I like that mood.
6: I love that. I love that. That's a great choice. Jen.
7: Yeah. You know, I just finished watching the after party, um, on Apple plus Mm -hmm. and obviously Ben Schwartz is, is great, but, uh, his Sam Richardson, he was in that movie with Christopher, with Chris Pratt. Yeah.
6: (sighs) He's great. He was, he was in Veep.
7: Oh, and he was in Veep. Oh, oh, I didn't know that.
6: Uh, oh. oh, yeah, I was looking at his IMDb. Yes, yes,
7: yeah. yes. And I yeah. once
6: drunkenly accosted him at a wedding. No, really? <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was a, my friend Josh McCougo and Amanda got married. And I was, I, I at the wedding. He was at the, he was there. And uh, after, you know, you know, five drinks in, walk up and I was like, hey, me and Grace just love you in the office. And we took uh, a photo. And he was wonderful. Yes, I love. He's super talented. He's, oh, he's so great, so
7: good, so funny. But he can. He, but he can also go to the depth. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'd love to see him. I want to see him everywhere. Although now I can, I should go back and watch Veep. I've only seen a little bit of Veep.
6: Oh God, yeah, that's a different conversation. When he shows up, <laughs> it's something special. It's uh, something special. How about you, Ken? Uh, you know what? It's funny. I, I was trying to think. You, you Again, you literally you could go in so many different directions and everything. And I was trying to think well, who's big in like my own mind. Who's someone that I loved and and cherished and and was part of my pop culture discussion for so long and then kind of isn't for various different reasons, even though he's still out there doing things successful. Um, I don't know if this would work, but I don't know if any of these castings would have worked if you'd told me before. Uh, I, I want to put Dana Carvey in Star Wars.
8: <laughs> <laughs> my, my
6: early 90s SNL high school Ken really wants to see Dana Carvey in Star Wars.
5: Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Uh, as the church lady would say, that would be very special. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah.
6: And then, um, and I know this is very close to your heart too, Joseph. I would love to see some uh, old MST3K people. I mean, you imagine oh. Joel Hobson in Star Wars. Oh, yeah.
5: No, I mean, there's I so know. many wonderful people uh, involved with that who would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get yeah. my own friend Bill Corbett <laughs> in yeah, Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
6: <laughs> exactly. Well, we're just spitballing, having fun with these castings, but we'll see what Christopher Lloyd uh, does in the show. Like I said, that could be a voice, could be this, could be everything. We will find out. We'll let you know on any more casting updates. Indeed. We're going to take a quick break. Before we do, we're going to do that uh, audiobook recommendation for you now. Our Force Center recommends. Joseph, what do we have?
5: We are recommending the next High Republic adventure. It is called Mission to Disaster. It is by Justina Ireland,
6: and we're looking forward to diving in. We're going to dive in soon. Download your free audiobook today by going to Audibletrials.com slash force center. Again, that's Audibletrials.com slash force center. Your free audiobook. All right, quick break. When we come back, more news here on Four Stop. Hold
0: up.
4: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
6: Welcome back to Force Center, one of the big shows, one of the main shows, one of the superstar stories of our fleet. One of the Ewok villages in our community of Ewoks. Uh, Jen, how many other villages do you know? <laughs> Tree Village, and then how many other competing villages are there? I don't know.
7: Oh my gosh, this is something that I've surprisingly not ever really thought about until right now.
6: I've, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I have that daydream of uh, of a story called "The Rise of Chirpa" and uh, him uh, uniting villages or something like that. Yeah, I want to see oh. the uh,
5: the controversial moment where Wicket uh, moves to Dark Bark Village. <laughs>
8: <laughs>
6: exactly. I'm out, I'm out of here. Like it goes off to college. It's the college years. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's amazing. All right. We are going to look at some more Star Wars news here. And George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy accepted their PGA awards. We had uh, reported on this earlier when it was first announced. Well, this past weekend on a uh, ceremony that was delayed a few days because of uh, you know, a few weeks, actually, because of uh, COVID, uh, Steven Spielberg presented uh, Kennedy and Lucas their PGA Milestone Awards at the 33rd Annual Producers Guild Awards. Uh, and he pointed out, uh, among other things, many things that he said, but he pointed out this one that I thought was great. They have 175 projects between them, whether solo, wow. collaborative or just uh, things they've worked on. That's uh you try getting 175 projects up in this town. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she,
8: when so when this was it?
6: first announced, we discussed their legacy. Um, so I was going to focus on some, some uh, specifics. But then I realized, Jen, we haven't really talked about your thoughts on George and Kathleen Kennedy, their legacy and their lives. You, you're part of that Amblin generation, too. Spielberg, of course, uh, that comes from his company. But uh, any thoughts uh, on what they just those names mean to you in your life? <laughs> big, they big, are. big question.
7: I mean, they are the movie business. They're the reason why I wanted to get involved in the movie business. Mm. Um, and Kathleen Kennedy, for me, it was exciting to know. Oh, there are there are women behind the scenes who mm. are doing. And she, you know, some of the most <sighs> legendary, high profile uh, films, right? Mm-hmm. Most uh, uh, iconic films that she's had a hand mm. in. And it's just, I, I can't. I just can't even put into words how they have changed not only cinema, but our, our pop culture. And we'll yeah. get into that, but Oh, yeah. what an achievement! and 175 projects. I can't, I'm just like, yeah. well, that's a lot of work. That is a lot of wheeling and dealing. It is not easy to get funding to pitch your ideas. And especially George, who is an artist at heart. Yeah. Right. You mm-hmm. know, it just is. It's so impressive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Impressive I have indeed. no jokes, just all admiration. No. Yeah, no,
5: I mean, it, it is a an amazing, amazing uh, career, both of them. And, yeah. you know, and Kennedy taking, Kathleen Kennedy taking a lot of slings and arrows and just going, mm.
6: eh,
5: <laughs> I'm yes. fine. Let's keep, let's, I'm making things, let's go, you know.
6: Yeah. yeah, yeah. There were some great shots of this event that you saw going around the internet this week of like all of them at that table. Favreau, kind of there, some other folks. I, I just loved, uh, loved seeing it. And George looks just as uncomfortable as any of us would be at a forced <laughs> uh, dinner. And, <laughs> sitting there, um, like I said, we can talk about some of the, the specifics since we uh, did discuss the legacy in more detail previously. Uh, Kennedy talked about working alongside George during many different revolutions in the industry, uh, kind of, uh, you know, in line with what Jennifer was saying about their legacy. And it's also just not how movies are made or received. But as she said, the composition of our business, she went on to say this as women, artists of color, LGBTQ and differently labeled artists and producers who have fought for and won a place at the table, propelling our community f- toward a more inclusive, diverse, richer, more sophisticated and nuanced sense of our responsibilities for social, racial and economic economic justice so i'm going to focus on those words if you wouldn't mind Joseph and jennifer because these are great words and they're important goals and they're ongoing but star wars i think we need to be honest like many brands and definitely individuals has maybe struggled to hit all the right notes in this song of change i think it's important you're singing the song but sometimes the notes can be a little off Uh, i'm reminded of the need for the blackout uh, star wars eclipse campaign that comes to mind the in stories uh, issues uh, like the Tusken Raider uh, and, and Tuscans of the Dune Sea controversy in the book of Boba Fett, uh, which both had great storytelling and maybe uh, didn't end in, in the best way for uh, many, many people. And it was a, a good discussion point, at least. Um, so I want to ask you guys this. It is a big question. It's a tough question. But what do we want to see from Lucasfilm Star Wars and that brand going forward to keep in line with this quote from Kathleen, which, again, uh, I, I do like these words. But uh, what do we want from them, uh, Joseph? Um,
5: you know what? Uh, since we're talking diversity, I'm going to go ahead and let Jennifer start.
6: <laughs> Jennifer,
5: <laughs> you're up.
7: Um, oh, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, this could be like uh, this, is a, lot. this, is, this is a lot. Right. There's a lot to talk about. I think the biggest thing, there's two things. Number one, I see Lucasfilm and Disney as like a big ship that we're trying to mm-hmm. steer the other mm-hmm. direction. Right. It's going to move slow. So mm-hmm. I want to celebrate. The changes that they've made and the the strides that they've made. Well, we can also challenge them too, because I think sometimes people only want to challenge them, but they've also done some great things that mm-hmm. we've seen more recently with Deborah Chow helming the Obi Wan Kenobi show. Um, we have Leslie Headland, who is doing a, you know Star Wars Acolyte, and she is an openly gay woman. And I think that's the key, right? Is to hire people not just on screen, but on screen is only a reality because of the people who are making it. Writers, directors, producers, creative executives, all the people, casting directors, all the people behind the scenes needs to be diversified. So it's not just one person who's speaking for, you know what I mean? Like they have one black writer. It's like, well, what do you think? How can you speak? It's like, no, yeah. you have to have a, a broad team. And I think that that will really inform what kinds of stories get told. And who is going to tell them who the actors are on screen. Um, But I think that there's been a a lot of great things and a lot of things that they definitely need to improve. So both things Mm. can be true, I guess.
6: Yeah. 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 Both things can. Joseph, yeah.
5: Yeah. No, I think uh, I really uh, agree with Jennifer. I think it's great to compliment uh, the steps that have been taken while also, you know, criticize the missteps and uh, ask for more steps. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think obviously I, my interpretation is that Kathleen Kennedy knows that, which is why she's coming out and saying this, you know, mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm. this is the journey that we're on. This isn't the, uh, you know, triumphant party because we did. Yeah. It. Right. This is the journey that we're on. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the big thing is, yeah, uh, people telling their own stories uh, and or diverse teams like the High Republic. Obviously, the the mm-hmm. High Republic team doesn't represent everybody, but the fact that that is a team of creators And there's a diversity of perspectives within uh, that group of creators. Uh, I think sometimes when we think about Star Wars, we really think of like, who's the writer, director, producer of this one show, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think the High Republic being a part of Star Wars as well, um, the publishing side, but the fact that it's a team of people with lots of different perspectives, I think is great. So I'd be happy to see more of that. But also for like on-screen things, yeah, I I think we really need... um, I want everyone to see themselves in Star Wars, but I think a big part of that, like Jennifer was saying, is uh, everyone getting a chance to tell their story uh, mm-hmm. via Star Wars. So I think, you know, I would love a Dr. Aphra show, and I would really want that to be, you know, written and directed um, by women and, uh, and Asian people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I would love more uh, LGBTQ plus representation on screen the the publishing side has been doing uh, uh, introducing a lot of characters uh, but i think we'd all like to see more on screen um if there is more great storytelling with the uh, with the tuscans of the dune sea uh, that would be great if it was written you know by native and indigenous people um another one that we've talked about a lot over the years is boy would i love to see some on-screen stories that are really uh, star wars stories that are about mothers <laughs> written and directed <laughs> by mothers <laughs> uh it, yeah so it, and then i think for me the to kind of pull back and like the value of it i think one of the things that's so great about star wars is it's always done a really great job uh, of what i think myths and great writing should do which is it, it speaks uh, to the universal through the specific um and, and taking all of these like, you know, it's so weird that you can relate to the, the space fantasy wizards with the laser swords and the lizard bounty hunters. <laughs> uh, but we can because they're going through things that that we understand and we see. And, and what I love about diverse storytelling is that it can celebrate uh, what is different uh, via the specific. Uh, but then through that, you get to the universal of what is different, but it also connects us all. Yes. And Star Wars is is so great with all of its it, these big themes that truly affect everybody, that every culture, uh, mm-hmm. human culture has thought about, you know, of our relationship to one another, to the mythic, to pacifism versus violence, to found family, rigidity versus organic. What does that mean? What do you value? On and on. All these great themes that are nostalgia that are baked into Star Wars. Every culture has a viewpoint on those. Uh, so to see other voices and other experiences, commenting on these common themes of star wars
6: is really exciting
8: mm. Mm. yes
6: yeah i'm with you both on there and i yeah i certainly i think joseph would agree you know i'm not in the best position to say things are better uh, it's not something i'm here to say but i do really like what uh you, you started us off jen of, of uh, uh a ship <laughs> it's constant <laughs> uh constantly going through these waters i take kathleen's uh, words at face value almost as if uh joseph uh, to your point of it it might be also a, a continued mandate versus. Um, getting to the finish line at the end of the race type of thing yeah. you get you the marathon there uh it's still going and she and, and she and they uh me and lucasfilm have taken great strides always we always can be better that's uh, i think goes without saying but at the same time i think maybe we need to say it, uh to to some folks uh in addition to to casting an even wider net uh to the creators the actors bloodline staff uh echoing what jennifer and joseph touched upon there and I would, I would love to see Star Wars more directly deal with some of the social issues of the day in story. And, and I keep repeating this take on High Republic, which you, you mentioned, Joseph, of it being among so many, many other things, the Star Wars look at what I kind of look feel is like post-World War II America, turn of the century America and the world at large. And why I think this is great value is I just don't want a retelling of like our history or, you know, social issue storylines, with just add in laser swords. But <laughs> we've been talking a lot on like the Clone Wars report um, which some Clone Wars episodes are just very specific to history or very specific to issues, mm. very issue uh, specific to conversations around issues. Uh, but, but Star Wars kind of has a, a chance to look at these key issues of our life uh, as they evolve and, and move us forward in, in the best way possible. It, it's this idea that Star Wars is offering a look at what could be. And I think that has great value when you're having these discussions. And I know it has for me personally, something changed and grown uh, over the last few years in, in, in different ways. Where just in breaking down Star Wars and seeing what's there in the stories, seeing the basic themes—the hope, and the compassion, and the empathy, and all that kind of stuff—but seeing kind of what you were talking about, Joseph, uh, how, how the value of the connections, the value of, of of everything there that I wouldn't have seen, would have been blocked by whether it was being blocked by myself or just being blocked by bubbles and 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 think you know like minded thinking or whatever you might say that would keep me back from looking at things a different way. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm rolling around in Star Wars and seeing things. In a different way. I just think there's great value in that, and High Republic is hitting it out of the park in that. And I'm just talking about one aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I always talk about Eisenhower building the freeways, and now we got (laughs) hyperspace routes and stuff like that. And that's just a starting point. Um, So, anyways, I I would love to see that too, and just mean more directly taking on some of those issues. And I do think, uh, you know, there's a thing of uh, Star Wars, a lot of Star Wars is. It's it's classic tropes for a reason, and it is uh it's it's, it's a Star Wars play on uh, you know, homages to films and genres and styles because it's so much of what George was doing. But George was also pretty specific in what he was talking about, and I, I think if you're lot careful, I think we saw a little bit of that with Book of Boba Fett in the conversation around the Tuscans, it, it can really lock you into some story beats that uh, yeah, many people just might want they get the story beats they just want to might might, might want to move past them or just be <laughs> looking at, at at the whole story in a different way then oh yeah that's a western thing yep I get it where I get where it's from but maybe we could do something else with it and I just think um, that's kind of one one way to look at it at least for me Yeah. yeah
5: I think that's some great points. I think it's great uh, for you to share kind of what what the storytelling of Star Wars has meant to you. And it's a, an example mm-hmm. of the kind of power it can have to uh, have you uh, in, still enjoy all the whiz bang fun of Star Wars and joke yeah. around about it, but also say like, OK, well, what are the ideas? <laughs> How does that possibly relate to me or my life yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, the situation of the world right now?
6: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I think that's a part of the great value. And again, going back to George's point in the beginning of it all here, I'd like to tell a story to twelve-year-olds about the Nixon White House in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs>
8: right. So, right.
6: speaking of George, uh, he he obviously spoke at this event, and there's there's a clip going around, and it's like one of those taken off the TV screen. Uh, but it's George kind of digging into Spielberg and Christopher <laughs> Nolan. I in the most George movie. Sbarro food court way of essentially, and it's it, them in the industry for not initially following him down the path of digital filmmaking, except for Jim Cameron. Jim Cameron did too, as George said. Uh, technically, uh, first of all, did you guys see that clip? We're both we're all laughing, but you what yes, did you think of that clip? I
5: watched it. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. I watched it five times in a row.
7: It's so good. It's uh, it's like, I live for that kind of, that kind of George, those George, George moments.
6: George oh, energy. I love it. Yeah. Like You, you know, uh, his wife, his family, uh, someone around him was like, George, you're going to have to wear a, a, a coat and tie for this event. You're going to have to. Yeah.
5: Right? And he's like, okay, but I'll, but it'll be plaid.
6: Because <laughs> if you look close,
5: it's a dark blue plaid. He's like, I'm not giving up the plaid though.
6: Can I, can I wear my white sneakers? Yes, you can, but, but just... <laughs> So he had that energy. It's great. It's great. It's Spielberg kind of lasted off, but you know, uh, this is part of what uh, George has done and technological advances are always a celebrated part of star Wars uh, history. Uh, I really think so, but they have uh, always, they've always been a focus uh, for George. Um, um, it, almost like he's go with me. Like he's more proud about that than star Wars itself. Right.
8: Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it
6: has that energy. And it's, so I want to ask us as, as fans of George and, and and most star Wars fans are, i Put quotation of the most, there's some who might have mm-hmm. some issues, despite what uh, people forget about the prequel era and and, and uh, whatnot. But as fans of George, who grow, grown up with the Star Wars franchise, have you found a change in your own celebration and knowledge of the tech side of him and the franchise more than, uh, you know, or maybe on the same level as the story side, Jennifer?
7: Oh, I mean, that that to me, this is what makes him our modern day Mozart or Picasso. I mean, he is an absolute genius. Who, like I said, he changed the movie business and toy making, right? He pioneered this medium. And as he acknowledged, you know, he had a people to help him, obviously very talented people to help his vision come to life. But I go back to the Revenge of the Sith behind the scenes stuff. And you see how shooting on digital allowed them, they'd be shooting the scene, then they'd take the tape and the editors would start doing a rough cut. The same day that they're, that they're shooting the scenes. I mean that it allowed him to make movies, the movies that he wanted to make faster, really. Um, It just, it's incredible. And I was like, I was telling my husband before this, I was like, I really want to dive in to that more and, Mm. and looking at the history and get into the weeds of it. Cause I know that that's, that's what excites George. And if it excites George, then it excites me. (laughs) i just he's just so he's such a fascinating man and i just oh gosh
6: (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's entertaining
7: yeah yes he's entertaining
5: yeah no i mean i think i think i celebrate his innovations you know Mm. because they do have just as big of an impact on the history of storytelling and film and television as the actual narrative of of star wars right and i think mm-hmm. I, I think he's proud of star wars but i think he's maybe just kind of rattles the saber sometimes too of like yeah yeah mm-hmm. no i'm not just a star wars guy i did make it up i did do it i'm proud of it um but also like hey you know how you watch almost every film <laughs> almost every film says thx or skywalker yeah. sound or ilm you know like uh, uh, i'm exaggerating a little bit with every but many especially blockbusters right um oh, yeah. and, and even the companies that aren't ilm right are like ilm paved the way that that is a a kind of company that you could be in a service that is needed right Mm -hmm. in storytelling Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i think that's huge i I think this whole video is fascinating because we're kind of joking and laughing And lucas really does remind me of that that family member that you invite to a party or a family function with the full knowledge that he's going to say some wild disruptive bleep, you know, like, yes. like you, you can invite him, you can invite him to whatever, but you we could invite him to the seven-year-old's birthday party, but you know he's going to say some stuff, right? I mean, you can't contain him. He's, he he's he almost going to be like, you expect me to stay within these lines, so I'm not going to because you expect that of me, you know? Yeah. Um, that sense of being rebellious, but also, like, within that, Ken, to get back to your actual technology mm-hmm. question, you know, I think there is this actual legitimate tension with him where he feels like he's being celebrated and still looked down on at the same time. And mm-hmm. I yeah that's what's mm-hmm. eating at him as he's sitting there at that table with his his good friends and and he's being celebrated right, you know. And, yeah. and this happened to him with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that everyone loves it. It's one of the most popular things ever. It changed the world, but also everyone wants to tell him George Lucas how he screwed it up. Right. Yeah. And now that he left, everyone wants to say there was never any problem. We love you. Come back. <laughs> oh. Like, so he's he's stuck in this place of tension of like, you love me and yet you look down on me or there's always like George Lucas greatest ever.
8: But,
5: mm-hmm. you know, right. uh, and I think he's at this at this ceremony getting mm-hmm. an award surrounded by these other filmmakers that that he's being said like yes you are on the same level as all of these greats and he's like yeah but they all make fun of me
8: <laughs> yeah because
5: because they they think for this part for the technological part they think i'm less than you know yeah right. uh, and he's literally saying that right he's like spielberg marty christopher nolan they're all like eh, yeah. digital that's not movies that's something else like <laughs> it's not subtle that's literally what he's saying of like <laughs> you've invited me here to give me an award but i'm calling you out because you also kind of think that I'm not deserving yeah. of it
6: you yeah. know i made my silly little space movies you know yeah
5: yeah mm so I think that's fascinating. The final thing for me that I wanted to focus on is I did I did like that he said the, the quote, I wanted to make it easier to make movies and to bring mm-hmm. my ideas in my head to life. And mm-hmm. ultimately, to me, that's what matters the most is, you know, uh, digital cinema has created much more access to storytelling. Obviously, there's the super high-end digital effects, but then there's just the, like, you can make a movie with an iPhone, right? Yep. Um, it's is democratized. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I think that is where some of the like frustration comes from of like the that Lucas I think sees himself a little bit is the like I just I'm I'm just the guy I just want to go out there and and tell my stories, right? And I want everybody to be able to go out there and and tell their stories.
7: Mm. 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 There's almost like an elitist kind of thing. And not not like elitist in that way, but kind of he mm. wants to make it accessible for everyone
5: Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's. i think he's got that tension about his own storytelling it's what makes i think star wars and him endlessly fascinating is on for one moment in an interview he'll want to tell you like the actual power of star wars is Mm -hmm. these this deep mythology uh, you know decades of storytelling that i managed to you know convey in this great and he'll kind of talk about the lofty side of star wars and then he'll always undercut himself right and like but i like it best when they hit each other with laser swords like there's always that that i think he wants to to be to celebrate the great accomplishments but also wants to stay to this sort of every person
6: perspective at the same time
8: mm. mm-hmm.
6: great stuff there yeah it, it, you know having not sat down and had that conversation with george but i think you're touching to something there um Joseph, that, you know, Star Wars comes and just changes everything to Jen's point earlier with, with some of the movies of just like cr- almost creating pop culture. Out of the things before that, did Spielberg has stuff out uh, stuff out there, Jaws, Close Encounters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Star Wars kind of lays the groundwork for modern pop culture. Yeah. And not a lot of other things after uh, Return of the Jedi that he tried to do seem to work. Not kind of the prequel conversation but you know stuff that he was involved in uh made some marks you know but it's like willow how, how are the duck uh what's the the radio land murders with brian yeah. then the red tails which came a lot later but it's like spielberg's doing that spielberg this isn't a bash on spielberg thing I, I i love his stuff too but you know it's like they go nolan does saves the comic book movie with dark knight and lucas is over here like you like you said joseph like Whatever. I changed how everything's made. I guess that means I don't know, it didn't mean anything. And, and he sometimes has that energy. Uh, there's there's some moments with Paul McCartney and McCartney's got a, It's a whole different story, but there's some moments. I love some of these interviews and he had them about 10, 15 years ago where he was like, hey, 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 I actually started to do the avant garde stuff before John. It just became the narrative that John was the artsy one and I was the love songs guy. Time out. <laughs> and there's obviously a lot more to those stories and a lot more to yeah. the Beatles history, but I loved when McCarty was like, Hey, 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 Hey. Uh, and, and I think George uh, maybe had that moment too. of Like, you know, I just changed how filmmaking, whatever. I guess you keep winning your Oscars, Steven. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and I love that. And one of the things I love about uh, just focusing on to, to answering my own question here, I think George will always be a storyteller. First to me, but I, I just no longer lost on me. The, the the advances in filmmaking was not a happy accident, and it comes uh, from uh this energy of I just wanted to tell my stories, so I, I had to kind of create how to tell them, and that includes finding people out there who wanted to create the how with them, and in many cases for him or alongside him. And I just I love that kind of creative energy too, where it's like uh, the things I wanted to do didn't exist, so I created it, and then that leads to some of the things you you're both talking about. If now you can shoot an iPhone, whether it's direct and everything you got, you know yeah. what I mean? It's that spirit of it that everyone can do this because going back to look at empire dreams, when the documentary starts, George is like, yeah, so the studio system was in place. That wasn't good. It was collapsing. So, uh, you know, I, I wanted to move beyond that and make movies about myself. So I love that. And I celebrate that a lot more than I ever did growing up with George.
5: Yeah. I also think, like with uh, with everything we're saying, with that, the tension and with Spielberg, it is fun that clearly they are friends and they are joking with each other, right? Oh, yeah. Even if they yes. have an honest disagreement, they're also joking about it. I love that he's like, "Where's Steven? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, it's like a <laughs> roast. I'm gonna rib him about not liking yeah. digital and Steven Spielberg doing the." the film crank gesture back yeah. at him is the, yeah, of yeah. actually cranking the film is is hilarious so it is yeah. it is great that it, there is clearly still like that is an actual friendship even though maybe there is this disagreement about technology
6: yeah mm-hmm. absolutely Love that. Well, they both uh, deserve these milestone awards as producers. And I love those conversations about defining what a producer actually is for for them. And it was a fun little clip to watch. So if you guys haven't taken it out there, go ahead and uh, listen. And uh, that is our look at Star Wars news this week. As always, little stories out there. Little rumors, tidbits, some scoops. Be careful if you don't want any spoilers. There's some uh, scoopy spoilers going around with Mandalorian. So uh, be careful of that. Before we close the show, we're going to do our In Star Wars History segment, looking ahead to Star Wars Past, some anniversaries coming up this week. Uh, One that that I found really interesting, especially uh, on the week we're talking about Christopher Lloyd. We are certainly in Kenobi season, and this week we have a fun anniversary on March 25th, 1976. Oh, I was a, just under a month away from popping up into the world here and saying (laughs) hi. Variety magazine reported that Sir Alec Guinness was cast in an upcoming space fantasy called Star Wars. Guinness's role was described as a bearded old desert rat, who was once a leading general in Galactic Wars? Not wrong, not wrong. Uh, we talk often about how Guinness's performance helped build so much of the Kenobi character we love. So I wanted to talk with you both here. What are what are some of your favorite Sir Alec Guinness moments that helped make this crazy old space wizard such an important <laughs> part of Star Wars? Uh, Joseph, we definitely have to end with you because this is <laughs> Kenobi season is is Joseph's season That's as right. well. Uh, Jen, do you have any uh, any moments with Sir Alec Guinness?
7: Yeah, I mean the the hello there, of course, it sets the tone for who mm. this character is. It's very disarming, very kind and like the way his tone to, you know, R2. It's like treating R2 like he's a child, and he grounds the film. And from that point on, like you know, the scene in the cantina when they meet up with Han, there's so much happening that he's doing on he's you know, very still, but you see his eyes like dart around, like there's danger, there's a sense of urgency while still maintaining that calm, that strength. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, what a what a treat that they that they got him for the film because he really does. He brings class. He brings mm-hmm. his acting chops to this uh, little space
5: fantasy film mm. uh, those are so many good words in there jennifer disarming that's so disarming and and you're, you're so right about the eyes darting that
6: little acting choice gives so much tension to the scene mm-hmm.
8: yeah.
6: yeah i love that there for me I, I was i was watching some of the moments again this morning i kind of love return of the jedi kenobi old uh sit and force ghost kenobi just delivering the hard <laughs> news not really apologizing but possibly on the cusp of another failure but he's Just really, uh, you know, the whole certain point of view conversation, which is so interesting. I just love, I love kind of things about it There, almost is he like, you know, I would love to hear your analysis on beat by beat, Joseph, but just like, (laughs) how much is he playing with Luke? Like, well, I guess the Empire and the Emperor have already won, whatever, whatever, you know, that kind of (laughs) of reverse psychology. (laughs) I love the energy there. But what my uh, specific moment, I've always loved it. I know we discussed it before and it could be uh, on, on your list too, Joseph, but I just love the, should I have? Mm. From A New Hope in the Cantina It's one of the key Kenobi moments for me Because he needs to to get off world He's not finding a lot of takers We're looking at you, Shack. And he's he's still kind of controlling the conversation with Solo Saying things to kind of get Solo to show who he is Both the good and bad sides About why he might be the guy And what I need to be aware of When I'm riding with this guy And then... um, Bonus to it is after after Han takes the bait, it's like yeah, you know, I re- ship the run the uh, Kessel run in twelve parsecs. Like, there's a, just a bonus look on, on Guinness's face that has no words. He just is kind of like, well, all right, cool. I didn't know anything about your ship, man. Like I just love the energy, and it's just a lot of that sassy side of Kenobi that uh, James Arnold Taylor picked up on so well in the Clone Wars animated series. It's just been a part of the character, especially in uh, the prequels and, and soon to be in this show. So should I have is my Kenobi? Yeah. One.
5: <laughs> yeah that that is an absolutely great pick. Uh, I love that you you pulled this out uh, Ken. Um, I'd love knowing that in the Twin Sons episode of Rebels, uh, when Maul calls Kenobi a rat in the desert, he is quoting Variety from 1976 in his description.
8: <laughs>
5: now I want to see a Photoshop of Maul actually reading that edition of Variety. And a rat, a bearded rat in the desert. Once a leading general in Galactic Wars. Look at you now.
6: <laughs> Essentially, I mean that that March 25th. They were right. They were right. He said, they were dead
5: right yeah i mean you guys have both really touched on a, a lot of it i think that it is absolutely that that sly humor that adds to just sort of the the power of the film you know especially a new hope it's so uh it's so fast and fun for the time uh but it, he grounds it not only with like the weight of the performance but also just the sort of wry humor the older perspective the the should i have i love uh when luke's kind of trying to tell him about uh, yeah, there's some kind of mention, and he's like, "I, I seem to have found it." <laughs> right? He's so he's so calm and confident. So there's that that wry humor, but I think maybe for me in, in a new hope, the biggest thing might be the sense. Of mystery. Uh, we mm-hmm. always talk about uh, tip of iceberg storytelling in Star Wars, particularly in New Hope, where it just gives you a peek of this vast galaxy with this vast history. And I think it's one of the things that so intrigued people of wanting to know more and mm-hmm. making up adventures with action figures. And a lot of that is on Alec Guinness uh, and his performances, Obi Wan Kenobi, right? You get mm-hmm. the sense that there is so much history and feelings and secrets to this old man this old warrior and wizard this mentor he knows so much and he is only just barely hinting at the tip mm. of the iceberg of what he knows and we don't yet know right and at the yeah. the younger characters don't know i mean like the weight of uh, a name i've not heard in a long time uh, the drop of the clone wars uh, even the uh, you know i shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine me like mm. uh, obviously he's talking about becoming a force spirit but fans this day debate that right of like mm. yeah. What exactly does he mean? Why is he taunting Vader with that? Is that really powerful? Like, even that phrase is this great, uh, like, I have opinions about what it means, but I think mm. for a lot of fans, it's still a point of discussion and mystery. And how does he know that? What does he know? It's just, um, it's just the weight of the mystery, I think, that that he conveys so much with the little looks that you guys have described mm. and represents that, that tip of the iceberg feeling that drew us
6: all in. Love it. Yeah. There's the this, this space between, I'm not quoting the Dave Matthews song. It's just the space between <laughs> the, the moments and the beats and, and, uh, and a true actor, a, a sir for a reason, uh, 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 just, uh, so great. And, uh, love that, um, he was—he's uh, our Kenobi and set the standard. Set the standard. Yeah, so.
8: mm-hmm.
6: a fun look back that's coming up here at the end of the week, March twenty fifth, nineteen seventy six. That is the end of our show here, our Star Wars news show. Always a lot of fun. Uh, we're gonna let you know where you can uh, find us. We're on Twitter, at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on a lot of podcast spots, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher. TuneIn. Uh, just search and find us. Merch available at t- public.com slash user slash Force Center. Get your shirts before you head to Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, that way we can point at you from across the room and give you a thumbs up, all right? Thumbs up guaranteed. <laughs> You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you get into our Discord server, among other things, including our uh, bonus monthly show, Will of the Force. But in that Discord server, you find a good place to discuss Star Wars, all sides of it, with some Force Center friends. You can follow me at Ken Absock, or Go to my website, kennapsok.com. Get information up there on an upcoming show all the way in June. June 4th, we'll be at the Troubadour doing comedy at that uh, venerable music establishment going to be a lot of fun information on my website we always like to highlight charity uh uh, spots locations causes things close to our heart uh this week uh, i'm highlighting uh, the gofundme for the kiev independent uh this is uh, my personal decision you can look at if you want um Uh, This is where I've been getting the most consistent uh, and trusted news on the Mm -hmm. ground of what's actually happening out out Mm -hmm. there, which is uh, pretty valuable um, when you consider what's going on in Russia, where uh, a lot of um, news just being blocked, misinformation put out there. So uh, you can go to their GoFundMe, GoFundMe.com slash F slash Kiev Independent dash launch, or just search for it on their uh, Twitter page. Uh, And uh, that's uh, my choice this week. Uh, Joseph, what do you got?
5: Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Grimshaw, and you can check out all of my other uh, comedy adventures, past and present and uh, future, I'm sure at some point. <laughs> the future mm-hmm. happens at some point. All on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. I'm going to continue to highlight uh, the organization Vote Forward. This is an organization that allows you to uh, print out letters and then add your personal uh, reasons why you vote, why you think it's important. And then these uh, letters are sent uh, to voters to encourage them to vote. They've done studies. This works to increase the turnout. Uh, I do not think that voting solves everything, but I think it is a thing that is in our power that does make a huge, huge difference uh, on every level. So if you're interested in writing some letters, you can check it out at Forward. That's votefwd.org.
8: Jennifer.
7: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Jennifer Landa and my TikTok, which I have more videos coming soon, at Jennifer Landa 1138. And today, I am spotlighting the World Central Kitchen, which is a nonprofit that was founded by um, Chef Jose Andres. They provide meals in the wake of natural disasters and right now, they've opened a kitchen and food supply depot in Poland right on the border of Ukraine. They're serving hot soups and other dishes 24-7 at eight border crossings and you can find out more about their work at wck.org
6: great stuff great stuff from both of you there thank you all for listening we love covering the news looking back and just sharing our love of Star Wars we're so happy to have you all here on the command deck with us so uh, that is it so for Christopher Lloyd and all the possible characters he'll be played in the Mandalorian we'll see you next week this was Force.